to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in the space. Hey, Jeremy, welcome back to another week in the land of M365 development. How are you? Isn't it fun? It Don't is we fun. love this? <laughs> Yes, I actually do. <laughs> we, um, I know we always laugh that we shouldn't start with weather every week, but this week is a funny one and this will get some laughs. Um, I traded, well, I didn't trade my Dodge in. My Dodge Charger had a continual rattle for the two years I owned it and they couldn't fix it. So I told them to take it back and give me a good deal on a new car. And so I got a Jeep Wrangler and the weather was meant to be two weeks solid of sun. There was literally no clouds on my weather app at all on my phone. And I've woken up this morning and the cup holders in my Jeep are full of water (laughs) and the seats are dripping wet um, because I decided to take the entire roof off of it with my neighbor and my neighbor isn't here to put the roof on. It's bright blue skies. So I'm hoping by the time we finish recording this intro and the podcast, it will be dry enough for me to drive to work in it. Oh, wow. Hey, yeah. reach out to Rob Foster. He'll give you a few tips. Rob Foster already texted me some ex- expletives that I cannot read back on something about not being a, and uh, Jeep life is about driving in the rain. So, yeah, we'll see. that's excellent. That's excellent. I'm surprised how many people I know with Jeeps, um, which has been funny. They've all come out of the woodwork, give me advice on what custom things I need to do to it. Well, yeah, that's social media these days. Come out of the woodwork and give uh, advice. That's right. (laughs) Apparently a towel is a mandatory accessory right now. (laughs) Okay. Well, I hope it works for you. Otherwise, you get to work with a wet bottom. Soggy bottom, as they say in the British baking show. Yeah, that's going to happen for sure. So um, this week's been kind of a big week. Um, We had some firsts. Um, we had unfortunately had an outage on the Microsoft graph that lasted just over an hour. And we have had a lot of feedback in the past that we've not been great at communicating these things. And so, um, I got the call from the on-call engineer, um, that there'd been this outage and, you know, we wanted to make sure that people were aware of it. And so we blogged about it and we tweeted on the office dev handle and, uh, it was resolved. We did a full kind of investigation on what caused it and we've updated the blog post to include that um and it was nice to get feedback from developers on the graph externally just saying thank you for being open about it and so we will continue to do that we are actively working on getting it in the m365 status page as its own item and also in the azure status page too so um we we are pushing but um certain things take longer than um external people would expect to get done process-wise with adding those things there. So the blog and the tweets are something that I can control even from my home computer. And so that's why we did did that. Yeah, Yeah. you know, stuff happens. So I I guess uh, an hour is not so bad unless it's the hour you need something, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately um, it was APAC and North America that were impacted. And as soon as we realized it was impacting those two regions, we stopped it rolling out to the other regions. But um, yeah, it took a little while to roll it back, unfortunately. 
Well, so the, your your goal of unifying the status page kind of fits in nicely with an item I found that uh, corporate-wide samples are being consolidated into a single site. And so uh, docs.microsoft.com slash samples is your home for all things sample code from Microsoft. Um, it's a bit intimidating <laughs> when you think about it. I can remember the dev.office.com site had a you know a big massive quantity of samples, and now trying to roll in samples from every single product, and so it uh, will take some getting used to. But it's nice to have uh, as a presenter or as a podcaster, right? That's great to have a single place to tell people go there and start searching, and you find what you need, right? Yeah, I, I was surprised with the amount of noise this got on social there was like a hundred so retweets of the official post um the microsoft graph stuff isn't quite there yet because we're underneath office right now and we're in the process of getting them to move it to be the parent but um it'll be interesting to see there's 1200 samples there already the search seems to work really well um you can deep link into the samples list with say like just the Microsoft graph one. So I think it'll be good for us because it will give us more visibility, which is great. Yeah. Although I think it's worth pointing out that the first thing I searched for was a a sample that was, even though it said eight, one 2019 on the card and and the page, the actual sample itself was not refreshed. So just a cautionary tale that the dates that you'll see in this uh, on the cards is probably the date that the, Docs.microsoft.com uh, page got updated, but the actual sample itself may be somewhat older. So it was a Teams authentication one pointing to AuthBot, which is what Rich Zariga wrote back when he was doing the podcast. So that sample itself, it's useful, but certainly not dated August I will, 1st. Um, but. <laughs> let Richard know he needs to go update his sample. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's awesome. And this is only their first release. And I'm assuming that that will get more and more complex as they add more features to it and take feedback. So um, based on the social noise around this, this is something that devs really wanted. And, you know, they, they means they read the prioritization of what they needed to do in the docs team well. So congrats to uh, Den. Den is the main PM on this and all the team in the Apex org that do that. We work them very closely. We've got some stuff for docs coming up in Graph very soon as well, which I'm really excited to share. So Dan has like a behind the scenes blog post that I'll put in the show notes too. So you can uh, read a little bit of more. He he went a little bit more in depth uh, on his personal blog about how, how that all got done. So Yeah. And actually, if you are a PM and um, you're interested in like learning from other PMs, Dan does share a lot about his journey as a PM and how he grows. Um, and so um, we should actually get him at the show up at some point too. I'll add him to, to our backlog because uh, he's an interesting guy and has done a lot in different spaces. So it's interesting to get him on. Um, and then the other bit of Microsoft news was um, I had shipped my first f- like feature feature on the service, not just in the developer experience space um, a few months ago with mail read basic, which was the mail read scope, but without access to the body of the email or the attachments in the email. Um, but it was for delegated users. And when we ship this on beta, obviously we immediately start listening for feedback. And one of the bits of feedback we got was that um, people wanted to use this in an app only approach as well. And so we just literally this week released mailreadbasic.all on application permissions. And so now you can use that same permission scope um, inside of your app only 
approaches. Um, we see this as being quite common where people are doing things that are processing males, but they the customer doesn't want them actually poking in, looking at the bodies and the attachments. Might be just to forward the mail or move it to a different folder or reply to the mail, all that you know doesn't necessarily need to have access to it. So that was super cool that we got that kind of feedback for a user voice and um uh yeah so we've put that in there so that was that was good that was a bit of exciting things we've shipped this week uh that's a, a nice alternative to apps that are trying to figure out like who i interact with the social distance right i don't need, yeah, need to read right. the body of a message i seem to see you know from and to is, is good enough in those kind of scenarios so that's that's going to be certainly helpful um, moving on to the community, uh, we have a link here from Mark Anderson. I don't know that we've had Mark on the show, but Mark's been around for quite some time. He's uh, one of my cohorts in gray hair. And so uh, Mark did a little utility post that um, discovers building HTML output a table in a Microsoft Flow email. So obviously you want to send an email. The default experience in the Flow Designer was here's some text and it shows, you know, with uh, the the basic uh, Arial font, but trying to pretty things up. Uh, so Mark goes through and uh, has screenshots on how you can go about doing this, which is one of those, you don't know you need it until you need it. And then you try to figure out how to do it. So great little blog post from, from Mark. Yeah, I, I we haven't had our mark on for a long time. I think the last time he was on, we were talking about um, uh, what were we talking about? We were actually talking about citizen development in general, and so it's interesting. Like, he, I mean, obviously, he is the citizen developer. So, if you're not if you're in that space of Power Apps and Flow, and uh, you know, even SPFX now that it's not managed code, Mark's definitely one to follow if you're not already. I'm assuming you've probably already stumbled upon him from Google at some point um and then another one to follow that's taken on power apps in a in a big way um and i think was an infopath developer and i mean he did a lot of managed code as well but is todd baginski or teabag as he's known in the inner circle um teabag has a bunch of power apps stuff on his toddbaginski.com blog um he's been an mvp for nearly as long as paul or if not as long as paul <laughs> I'm you sure you're like ages here. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you're old timers. Um, but yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff. And I think the nice thing about T-Bag is, is that he's not a power user by heart. He is a developer. And so a lot of the stuff he does, much like I kind of used to do with InfoPath, where it was like, here's how you can do managed code with InfoPath. It's here's how you can do managed code with Power Apps. And so he has a blog post and a YouTube video on um, doing auditing, usage logic, and usage logging and reporting with Power Apps. Um, and then also has one on how to create your first uh, Power Power Apps control framework control, a PCF, um, which essentially allows you to write .NET code and deploy it and then use it in your power app or let your power users use it in a power app and he's got a whole youtube video there as well so if you're doing power apps or you're a developer and you keep hearing about power apps and you know you need to get into it um todd is definitely one to to watch and we should 
definitely get him on the show at some point as well. I think we already have him on our backlog. Yeah. Yes. Uh, always great to to talk with, with Todd. And I, I agree this, this is filling that niche that we saw before with InfoPath, as you said, right? Sometimes you need to go a little bit beyond what the, the system can do, or just, a, you know, you get 95% of the way there and one little, one little thing would just knock it out of the park. And so this, this PCF, which I'd heard, about before haven't really looked into yet but certainly is uh, if, if Todd's got an example I'm sure that it's easy to take off now because his samples are always great so yeah, yeah. looking forward to digging into that so on the show this week we had Nick Charle Charleboy I always say it wrong. I'm, I'm good at saying names wrong. Charlebois. Charlebois. Yes, yes. So Nick is French-Canadian. Yes, yes. And uh, so Nick actually reached out to us after hearing an episode because he had an idea. And so, uh, hey, everybody, if you're listening and you have a, something that you find somewhat interesting, reach out. We're happy to talk about it. But Nick had a novel approach to... Um, using DSC, which is desired state configuration, to look at your SharePoint tenant or even your Office 365 tenant. So really interesting, great stuff. Yeah, it was really fun having that chat. So um, enjoy the show and we'll see you next week. So our guest on the show this week is Nick Charleboy. How'd I do on the last name? That, that's pretty good. Let's just go with Charlie Boy. It's probably easier to pronounce that way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nick, thanks for coming on this week. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's start with people getting to know you a bit. So give us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I'm a uh, senior premier field engineer based out of Quebec. Uh, I specialize in SharePoint dev, though my focus for the past two years has uh, shifted over Azure automation, right? Or basically anything that has to do with DevOps. So I do a lot of PowerShell desired state configuration stuff. Um, I'm the owner of the reverse DSC module and Office 365 DSC module as well. Before joining Microsoft, I was a PowerShell MVP for, I want to say about four years, I think. Uh, worked for the federal government for almost 14 years before finally decided to uh, go over the dark side. So I've been with Microsoft for, yeah, so four years now. That's awesome. Although I would say <laughs> dark side is funny. That's anyway. Um, so you said DSC and PowerShell, which are a couple of subjects that aren't typical in my world or many developers' world. So can you start by diving deep? What is DSC? What, what is Microsoft Graph or Microsoft 365 DSC, what does that mean? Yeah, I think we're better off just getting started with giving an overview of what DSC is in general, right? So DSC is something that's been around since PowerShell 4. It's a way basically to define how a machine or an environment should be configured and to make sure it stays in that desired state. Right? So what you do is instead of having the imperative approach that we're all used to back in the days, for example, if you're doing a SharePoint online, you would run the new SPO site. Gonna let you run it once, creates that site collection. If you run it twice, it's going to complain saying that it already exists. The, the concept behind DSC is you can run it as often as you want. It's always going to end up in that same state, right? So that concept of item potency. So what you do is you define how your environment should be configured, and then DSC goes along, it goes, configures that environment, but it also does the monitoring. So we'll do what we call consistency checks and make sure that the environment stays in that desired state. And if it detects any configuration drift, it's going to act upon it. So it can either report it, so log an issue, or it can try to fix itself. So it can do what we call apply and autocorrect. So we'll go in and we'll try to bring itself back in that desired state. So really the goal behind DSC is to have the current state equal to the 
desired state. I know it sounds trivial, but that's really the concept behind it. Now, Office 365 DSC, as you guessed it, that's the DSC module to go and configure Office 365. So we support various workloads, right? So, yeah, so we, 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 you can actually go in within a single configuration file. You can go and define all your, your team settings, all the channels you want to have created in that tenant, all the site collections, all the users, all the Office 365 group. We have security and compliance rules in there as well, right? So you can go and configure the entire set of workloads for your tenant and make sure they actually stay configured that way. And is the scenario for that with Office 365 the ability then to have like multiple tenants and tentatively you have like a dev test prod environment set up and then all have that same config running on each to make sure they're in sync. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, and this is actually something that was demoed at the last SharePoint conference is this idea of you have your, 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 your gold image if you want. And because reverse DSC is baked in directly in Office 365 DSC, what you can do is you can extract the configuration out of an existing tenant and reapply it over other tenants. So one of the demos we did is we created a brand new trial tenant, extracted the configuration from one of the tenants we've been using to do integration test and replicated all the settings over, um, within only a few minutes, right? So yes, so it's this idea of being able wow. to keep all tenants in sync from a configuration perspective. And, and the, beauty, right. the beauty of the module is, you all know right now, if you want to go and, and manage different workloads in Office 365, well, for Teams, you need access to the graph or you need a Microsoft Teams fire shell. For SharePoint Online, you need PNP module or you need SharePoint Online management shell. So there are all those dependencies underneath um, that Office 365 can sits on top of all of them. Uh, so within one resource, so for example, for SPO site, well, we, we leverage both. We leverage PNP and we leverage the online management shell as well. But that's all abstracted to the user. So all the users have to do is download that module and it can get started right away without having to worry about all the dependencies behind making sure they have the proper module set up. So, so user in that context to me is not, it's not Betty in accounting, right? This is uh, obviously someone's going to have to have permission to configure this target environment, which may require tenant privileges, right? Or am I looking at, to me, it seems this seems more of a, a tenant administrator tool, but or maybe I'm missing something there. Have I got that right? No, yeah, it is. You're absolutely right, right? So for example, if you want to go and configure your, your SPO workload, of course, you're going to need to have uh, admin privileges on the SPO workload, right? So normally you would go, that would be like a global tenant admin that would go in and configure those tenants. Okay, but now you mentioned the SPO site, which clearly is something that would be helpful for just any old developer, even if they're not a tenant admin, right? So does this let me scope what I want to reverse and apply? Yeah, exactly. Right. So basically, when you launch, uh, the, so if you install a module by default, we expose a common let call export O365 configuration. So right now, if you want to get started, all you have to do is open PowerShell on any computer that has internet connectivity. You run install dash module Office 365 DSC. It's going to go download all the dependencies, install the module, and then you can just run export O365 configuration. And that will launch a graphical user interface that lets you pick and choose what components you want to extract right so it's actually a GUI that we built in PowerShell so it looks like it's straight out of the 90s but at least (laughs) (laughs) and then but you can go and pick and choose so let's say you just want to extract all the apps and uh, SharePoint framework uh, components that you have in the app catalog you can go and just select that specific bit not have to worry about extracting the whole thing Um, so that that's that's really one of the big advantages of the module is letting you pick and choose exactly what you want to grab out of the tenant 
Yeah. And I, that whole confit notion of configuration, like you talked about teams and channels, like where do you draw the line? Cause in my head, teams and channels isn't necessarily configuration. It's like the content. So uh, how do you draw that line? Cause if you're doing that with teams and channels, I'm assuming that means you're doing it for SharePoint sites and lists and list items as well. So, so we're not right. So basically the, the line is, on where you um, you actually have to have access to the admin center. So teams and channel, you're, you're spot on. That's a little different, right? I would consider that almost to be content in a certain way, right? Yeah. Um, and to give you a real example, I have a customer of mine that decided to go and use Office 365 DSC to deploy the t- their tenant. They deployed all their site collections, basically their information architecture using DSC, but they set uh, DSC to be applied and autocorrect. So they went on, they deployed hundreds of channels, teams, uh, site collections, and then three months down the road, they realized, well, you know what? We might not need those like 200 sites. Let's just do some spring cleanup, delete them. Well, guess what? 15 minutes after, those were all back, right? So it's the line has to be drawn where you want let give the user permission to actually interact with with the actual content so you're right teams is a little different um that was a contribution we got um that somebody already had the code so we took it in but we're not going to go and do a list and uh content types and stuff like that right i mean the pnp provisioning engine is there for that so this is really where we draw the line and so sorry in in terms of like you're saying and they came back so when you throw this configuration file somewhere I, some system is continuously monitoring and um, making those changes almost in real time if things disappear. Where is that hosted? Is it Microsoft hosting this? Does the customer have to host it? <laughs> That's a great question, right? So the, the, the thing is, Office 365 DSC is probably one of the first DSC module that we have that interacts with software as a service. And DSC was built for configuring a machine directly. So at one point during the configuration step in the traditional on-premises scenario, you have to have that configuration on the machine that you're about to configure, right? In this case here, we're making remote calls to Office 365. So that configuration is never going to actually exist in the Office 365 the, uh, data center, right? So there are several options. So one is to actually have a middleman. So basically you have a, a VM or something that actually runs that configuration and does the monitoring. Or the other option is to go and just have a, an Azure DevOps pipeline, right? So that DevOps pipeline, what you do is you actually create a release pipeline that will do that monitoring check using a out-of-the-box let call test DSC configuration, and you schedule that release um, that release pipeline. So then it will do frequent checks. So for example, in my environment, I have the release pipeline run twice. So at 6 a.m. and at 6 p.m. And if it detects any configuration drifts, it fails the pipeline execution and sends me a notification saying, all right, so your tenant is no longer in the desired state because of this uh, configuration that had a configuration drift, for example. So you need that concept of middleman, unfortunately, because you're never going to apply the configuration directly on the actual tenant per se right? it's always remote calls that we make but that's a, that's a great scenario because i can see assuming this configuration is a file i can check that into a repo and if i'm onboarding another developer go to my release pipeline create a new environment for that developer deploy the release to that environment and now they have their dev stuff ready to go Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. So and oh, that, that's yeah. really the, the, the mind shift that's happening there. Right. And it's, it's, it's always a challenge trying to convince the 
IT pros that, you know what, you're going to be writing code from now on, whether it's ARM templates or it's DSC script, you're going to be writing code. And I might, I might actually uh, argue that sometimes the IT pros will actually end up writing more code than some of the devs in the team, right? So it's important for them to jump on board the application lifecycle management. So the, the, the best practices in this case really is have your script. So your source of truth becomes that DSC script that you store in any source control, uh, be it GitHub, be it Azure repo, you store it in there. And whenever you need to deploy, let's say uh, you need to add a new search managed property, let's say. So all you do is you open that configuration. You had a few lines of code to define the new configuration, save it back, commit it back. It automatically triggers a build pipeline that will go and compile the configuration and then release pipeline pushes it to your dev tenant. Right. And then you can actually have an approval process in there. It says, all right, the, the changes in dev, dev team, please review that everything's fine. Yes, they approve it. It automatically gets pushed over to the two-way tenant, for example. Right. So you can actually have that concept of multi-tier environment that's all controlled by release pipelines. So, yeah. So in the scenario you just described there, Paul, so you have a new developer coming in. Yeah. All, all they really have to do is all right, take that script, commit it to your release pipeline, and boom, you have brand new tenant configured just like production, for example. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, oh man, the mind the mind is boggled with the with the um, possibilities. Mine is yeah. too. I wasn't aware <laughs> yeah. of this, and um, we've had a few things recently where people have been asking this exact question of being frustrated of. Um, you know, just the notion of having to use a demo tenant to do things because their organization, for instance, locks down app registration so that, you know, a developer inside a corporate environment can't go and create an app and, you know, put permission scopes on there and, and test their app against their corporate login. And so, you know, the way we provide suggestions there is well you should sign up for a developer tenant and use the developer tenant to do your work and then when you're ready to test it you know go through that process and have them register the app in the enterprise uh, catalog and and have the admins do the admin consent for you know the various different permissions that they need but you know don't block a developer environment but then the developers always push back that well these demo tenants aren't configured like our uh, production Office 365 tenant and, you know, we can't get close to it. So I'm assuming this will mean they will be able to kind of have a much closer setup configuration if they go sign up for a developer tenant, for instance. Yeah, no, absolutely, right? And one thing you can actually do is have a schedule pipeline that would go, let's say, once a month, extract configuration out of production, commit it back to the Azure repo that will trigger another pipeline that will then apply the configuration over to all the dev tenants without having to do yeah, anything, right? So you're always cool. keeping prod synced or the actually extracting prod and then keeping your dev in sync with whatever's out there right so that's one option for sure and where would you draw the line and the scenario that came up with this particular customer was um they had groups and users in groups like is there a way that you could have it so that it pulled over the ad groups within that tenant and like put in the users in the groups as well i mean obviously the users don't exist in the demo tenant but how where do you draw the line on configuration there yeah so that, that's, that's another great question right so right now what we support is the actual creation of users um, in office 365 as far as azure ad for example it's importing the users uh, directly from azure ad we don't have a module right now that does that unfortunately so the line is drawn there um that's definitely something we have on the backlog though and so is there a team of you kind of driving this internally? Um, like how would people follow along with like 
backlogs and progress here and yeah so uh, i mean we're trying to be as transparent as possible we have a team internally so we have derek brian and uh yorick torsten a bunch of us working on the actual project so we have microsoft people working on it but that's on a github repository so if you go right now github slash microsoft slash office 365 dsc this is where all the code is all the issues are being tracked there we're extremely transparent so even when we find issues we log them right there there's not another internal secret repo that we manage this is where all the work is being done right so and we actually have some community people contributing back saying hey look i've already created um, those scripts to manage um, some of the exchange stuff for example was done by uh, somebody from the community and they just contributed back right so that's the beauty of open source so it's out there just go ahead i mean if you, you have any questions use the issue tab in there i know issue kind of sounds funny just to ask a question but we're also building that knowledge base um in that repo so yeah feel free to contribute to anything you want so so obviously you know writing a module a powershell module is a a unique skill set but is this tool extensible in any other way if i have some other system so so here's a scenario for you right the stuff i'm working on this week actually in order for it to deploy to production there has to be a, a table created in a sql database and so if I wanted to have DSC inspect the database and say, does this table exist? And if it does not run this command to generate it, is that something that can be snapped in or does it need do I have to go open up and learn how to write PowerShell modules to do that? No, so so there, there are several options, right? So the first one is out of the box, DSC supports a, a script action, right? So you can actually, in your, your configuration, you can have a script that would just be traditional PowerShell logic that would go check to see if that table exists. And then you can actually have dependencies within your script. So you would say, all right, don't go and push this configuration unless that, that script actually comes back as true, for example. So you can go and you, you can use traditional PowerShell within your, your module, right? You're not stuck to having to use DSC and create your own modules. So that's the beauty of it. So it's fully extensible in that sense. And then if I receive it's in PowerShell on Windows, I can call any .NET code I might have written, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And 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 now I I assume there is a PowerShell module for SQL. If I or if I have a PowerShell module for whatever target environment, can I invoke that then using even though this is the Office three sixty five DSC? I'm, I guess at the end of the day, it can run any. PowerShell command and modules, right? Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. So as long as you have the module for it, so there is a SQL Server DSC module. Uh, you plug that in, right? So that's the beauty of it. You can actually have different modules within the same configuration. Yeah. So my deployment pipeline can then have a step that will go through and say, you know, deploy these prerequisites before I even get around to my traditional deploy my code. I can have it inspect the target environment do some prep work and then deploy the code in after it's ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you can have gates in there for sure. So is there like an idiot proof Azure product that helps with this? Because it sounds like this is broader than just Office 365 and you just mentioned SQL. Like, uh, is there some way of tying this into an automated build or is it a little bit of bootstrapping to get this working in Azure? Yeah, so you're going to need to know what you're doing in this case, right? I mean, it's not it's, yeah. it's not magic, right? So, but yeah, so it's going to require some bootstrapping for sure. And then, well, and part of the bootstrapping, I would guess, is the build agent, right? So, if I want to run this from if I'm going to run this from a DevOps pipeline, can I use a built-in agent and tell it to install PowerShell, or do I need a custom agent? 
No, no, you can use uh, 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 out of the box where one of the the agent that's already there, right? I mean, I would recommend using the VS um, hosted the t- VS 2017 hosted one, right? As long as that agent has uh, PowerShell installed on it, right? So those default um, agent already do have the module installed. So I would just use that, and uh, off you go, right? So you just have one task in there that would go and call the install module Office 365 DSC to get the bits on the agent, and you're, you're yeah. good to go after that. Right? Yeah, your pipeline starts with PowerShell to install whatever else it needs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty sweet. I, I, I got to kick the tires on this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm impressed. The, I mean, I've spent a long time on this scripting stuff, and I feel like the PNP provisioning stuff of at the lower level of content is great, but this has always been missing. So I really like the idea of being able to catch like this stuff from a configuration management perspective at this level. So this is really sweet. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And even the ideas, right. So even, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Nick, but uh, right. So if, uh, even if I can't do everything I want in a PowerShell module, but imagine that they're using this concept to fire up the Azure CLI or an Azure arm template to provision some stuff you need in Azure to host stuff that you're going to deploy to office 365. Right. I, I can see how tying this all together. It's a great approach to, to, to managing your configuration for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was just going to say, so right now, I mean, most of the people listening to the podcast, I assume have some kind of uh, footprint in Office 365, right? So you already have a tenant out there with some configuration. You most likely did not use Office 365 DSC to configure those tenants. But with reverse DSC being baked in, what you can do is you can actually just go, all right, so you, you basically ask the question, <laughs> to your tenant, tell me how you're currently configured. You extract that and then you just push it right back and you say, all right, from now on, your current configuration has become your desired configuration and any configuration drift that happens, you report back. Right? So it's this idea of onboarding something that's already existing. So you don't have to go and start from scratch and write the entire configuration, right? You can just extract it using reverse DSC. So, so how does that reporting work? Right. I mean, do I run this locally or or if it's in a scheduled task, how do I know about it? What, what does that what does that mean in, in reality? Well, so you have multiple options, right? So one of uh, the options I described earlier is this idea of adding a schedule pipeline. Um, but that's really just to make sure that uh, the, the agent will, will run on regular uh, intervals. The the other option is if you just want to do a quick check, see if the tenant still in that desired state, you can, you can just run the test DSC configuration conlet locally that will remotely assess your tenant and come back with a PowerShell hash table, pretty much. So basically a variable back that will list everything that is not in the desired state and it'll tell you why it's not in the desired state what happened to that configuration drift and so you can run it from wherever you want the idea though is to have something that would actually be scheduled so you can run it as a scheduled task on server somewhere uh, or you can actually use an azure pipeline which would probably be ideal in this situation so you just fail the build is what you're thinking if it uh, or does it yeah i I guess yeah i mean if it's if if i'm off doing my job and something happens I need a notification somehow, either email or Teams or something, right? So is that part of the tool? Is that something that I have to extend a little bit for my preferred method? 
Yeah, no. Well, so so the thing is, it's it's part of the tool to a certain extent, right? But if you use this concept of having a monitoring pipeline, let's call it, right? So you, what you do is, yeah, you run the test, and if it comes back with any configuration drifts, well, you fail the build, and then you get the notification, right? So this idea of you wake up in the morning, you get an email saying, all right, your tenant has like that build pipeline failed because of such and such, and you know exactly what configuration drift happened. Right. So it's, it's this idea of failing the actual pipeline if you detect configuration drift in this case. Right. Nice. Nice. That's that's the yeah. Uh, mind blown. This is this is this is stuff. And, and apparently this DSC has been around for a while. Right. So it's not like we're on some cutting edge, I'm guessing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been around for a while. The Office 365 DSC module is fairly new. Um, we do have uh, a pretty good uh, on premises uh, DSC module for SharePoint that's been around for almost five years now. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if, if folks run into get started on this, there is a community of people who can who can help them out. It's not like I'm on some you know island on brand new stuff, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, the, the community is uh, fairly active. So yeah, so I recommend just again, just make sure you go to the GitHub repository, right? If you have any questions, uh, we have a wiki right now on the actual Office 365 DSC uh, GitHub repo that goes through how all the various components you can configure, gives you some example, gives you the list of all the parameters that you need. So it's fairly complete. So I encourage you guys to go there if you want to get started with Office 365 DSC. This has been very helpful for me. I really appreciate you reaching out for this because, uh, like I said, mine, mine, mine is blown. Is there anything else that we should we should tell our developers about it here before we we wrap up? No, I, well, I think I've always been a, a dev, right? And PowerShell kind of helps me bridge that gap between IT pros and, and dev. I think the message really goes for well for the dev would be to try to promote the fact that now configuration as code also means it has to be part of the application lifecycle management within the organization, right? Um, it's it, it's a mind shift in a certain sense. So it's really trying to encourage people to follow best development lifecycle, um, well, the best practices for, for development within the organization, but for configuration, which is something new that we didn't have before, right? Yeah, so it's not best practices for for development. It's just for the IT in general, right? Or technology management in general. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, excellent. Yes. Well, that's the that, the great food for thought. Wonderful tool. Can't wait to kick the tires on this. So, folks, uh, want to find you, Nick? Uh, how uh, how how do they see you uh, out in the social networks? Yeah. Well, if you can spell my last name, uh, my Twitter handle is <laughs> Nick N I K Charlebois. So C H A R L E B O. Uh, you can find me on Twitter or best ways, probably if you want to reach out, just ping me on, on GitHub. You go to that repo, you're going to find me there and just ping me on there and uh, yeah, we'll get connected. Yeah. And issues on the GitHub are always helpful to so others can learn as well. So that's great. Exactly. Thanks a lot, Nick. Really appreciate yeah, it. I really appreciate that. This is great. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to go away and have a kick, kick the tires on this. Awesome. And by the way, yep. uh, we fully support MFA. I just want to plug that. <laughs> That's the first question people ask. So yeah, I, I mean, it's MFA is fully supported. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> thanks, thanks mate. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. 
to help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 